Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, brought to you by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And uh, Jerry, you've been on the road. I know you, you were in Sarah Land yesterday. I'm going to let you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. All the, all the Texas fans keep telling us where you're checking in from. I love that. That makes my day. Hopkinsville, Kentucky, man. That's a new one. Philadelphia, I see where all you guys are at. I'm in Gainesville uh, this morning. I drove down from uh, Mobile, Sarah Land to Gainesville um, yesterday to set up a trip to Orlando. After we get done here, I'm going to see uh, a couple of kids and plus DeAndre Robinson for practice. And I'm going to see some 2025s Thursday in the Space Coast and up through Jacksonville. But uh, yeah, I was at Sarah Land High yesterday. I went to their practice. Was over there about three hours. Uh, McAllister, Oklahoma, Ardmore, Oklahoma. There you go. Um, and look, guys, I'm a big KJ Lacey fan. I always have been. Uh, what I really like about him is he's just got a sports mind, Bobby. He, he's got a sports mind. If you're around him, you know, he's a point guard in basketball, right? Now he's a quarterback in football. He loved basketball growing up. His father was a really good basketball player. I think he played small college basketball, junior college basketball. So he grew up basketball. As he transitioned to quarterback, you know, that sports mind kind of takes over. He's got the great feet, but he's just got a real understanding. You know, he's one of those kids you could go play baseball, ping pong, uh, whatever, you know, tennis, and he's going to have a sports mind and he's going to know how to play and how to be successful doing it. That's just how this guy is. He's got the arm talent. He can make all the throws from all the arm slots. Um, he's also got gamesmanship. I think that's one of the things that stands out to me about KJ being there in person and, and really taking in the full practice, talking to Coach Ket, Jeff Kelly, who played quarterback at Southern Miss in some uh, in the NFL briefly as the head coach at Sarah Land. Um, he's got that gamesmanship. He's got that sports mind. He's got that understanding of when Coach Kelly says, this is what we're, run, we're going to run, and this is the why he understands the why. Hey, Jerry, let's bring in, let's go ahead and bring in Brian Irwin. Coach Brian Irwin is here this morning with us as well, uh, and bring him in as, as well as we get talking here a little bit this morning. The reason I want to bring Brian in is because he is actually a little bit of a quarterback guy, um, and you're talking about K.J. Lacey right now. How you doing this morning, Brian? Doing great. How you guys doing? Good, buddy. Hey, uh, some of these traits that Jerry's asking about and talking about with a quarterback, what are some of the things that you guys look for in quarterbacks, really? Leadership capabilities, um, accurate passer, coachable, uh, good feet, um, and then along with the leadership characteristics is just being a great teammate. A guy that's, you know, willing to to uh, appreciate his right guard and his left guard, his center, his tackles. Um, just a guy that his teammates just endear. They they will go to battle with him any day and all day. Um, so you know, the quarterback's got to have those type of characteristics. And another thing we always talked about is a guy that one you know is willing just to move the chains, move the chains. It doesn't have to be the big, big play all the time, uh, just, just move the chains, you know, let's keep this thing rolling and, and then uh, we'll figure out a way to get it in the end zone. Once we get inside the red zone. Hey, Blake, Blake and I are going to uh, flip coins to try to get that next Crawford pirate shirt. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
That's the first thing I noticed. Hey, well, that's I a big thing. I've got all, all my nieces and nephews go to school out there. So I've got uh, two nephews that play football there and two nieces that play sports. And so, no, actually three nephews that play football out there. So uh, we're out there quite a bit watching them. Hey, Coach, um, yesterday being at Sarah Land, um, you know, it was watching – KJ interact with Coach Jeff Kelly, the head coach at Sarahland, who I mentioned earlier, played quarterback at Southern Miss briefly, mm -hmm. professionally. It was a it's a maturity about the way he kind of has those conversations. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure it's an old soul, but there's you know there's a maturity about the way Coach Kelly can talk to his junior quarterback in high school. Talk about how important that is. Yeah, just being coachable, uh, mature. You know, the maturity aspect, what you're talking about is so critical is that, that the coach can have those types of communications with him. They're different than the communication the head coach has with, with other players. Probably more importantly than anything, what I remember when I had that type of quarterback, that mature guy that I could trust, and when you say, Coach, I see this, I trust him. Uh, because some guys say, I see this, and you go back on film, and it's just not the case. Right. But at halftime, things like that during the middle of the game, but especially at halftime, I remember we'd have those those talks and, and that communication and, and my quarterback say, coach, we need to do this. We need to do that because I'm seeing this and that. Yeah. And I'm telling you guys, regardless of how I felt, if my quarterback said, coach, we need to do this and I'm seeing this, I would always err with him instead of me because he's the one out there playing. He sees what he sees. He feels like we need to go that direction with play calling or strategy. And uh, it's fun when you come in after the game and and you you make those adjustments and the, and the adjustments pay off. And that's because of the relationship between the coach and the quarterback and the quarterback's maturity to uh, to see those things and to have uh, that communication to to make that adjustment. So, Brian, this is – this bleeds into the Longhorns now you're 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 discussing quarterback and obviously Jerry went and saw KJ Lacey the 2025 quarterback commitment out of Sarah Land in Alabama mm -hmm. um, but but it bleeds over into the Longhorns currently with uh, Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian this is uh, Quinn's second year as a starter uh, he's had an up and down year so yeah. far through three games I mean I wrote about it this morning on Inside Texas um, you know the Alabama game he looked great the rice game in Wyoming, take it or leave it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, is that just part of the maturation process of a young quarterback is, is where, it, where do you think he is in his developmental process right now? He's progressing. Uh, his maturity is progressing. You know, like we saw after the Alabama game, we saw him being that, that spokesperson that we want um, having that charisma saying those awesome things that, that, Everybody in the country appreciated what he said after the Texas game. Whether you were a Texas fan or not, he said the right things. He did the right things. Um, but at the same time, Quinn's got to be disciplined from his mechanics, his, his footwork, uh, throwing on platform as much as he can. He throws off platform a lot. You know, I think you need to say that kind of stuff for the NFL. Um being disciplined of, of, of setting your feet, working the pocket, gap escapes and, 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 and working up in the pocket or out in the pocket, however you should gap escape and move in there to make the proper throws. Um, sometimes he drops the ball down 
And and I think when the ball drops and he makes certain throws, the ball tends to sell on him. Um, so just from a mechanical standpoint, especially carrying the ball a little higher, I, I don't know that he will. I mean, I've been talking about this for two years. I don't I don't know that he will. But um, footwork, mechanics, discipline to to setting your platform instead of maybe being a little bit lackadaisical and and knowing because he's got such great arm talent, Bobby. He, he's got that Patrick Mahomes in him because of his arm talent. He thinks he can he can neglect maybe his footwork or his shoulders where his shoulders are positioned when he makes the throw, and that gets him in trouble a little bit. Um, you know, is it is it just a small change or a small tweak, or is this just a gradual thing that you think will happen as the year progresses? I mean, or is it just a light switch turning on? Because I, I tend to think it's going to be this gradual build to a yeah. better quarterback as opposed to just this light switch going on. What what are your thoughts? I, I would agree with you, a gradual build. He's going to have to learn the lessons the hard way uh, because when he comes back in after the game, they start breaking down the film and and, and they start saying, hey, we, we barely overthrew this pass. We barely missed this one right or left. Or we missed this one low. And look at your feet. Look at your shoulders. Uh, look where you're carrying the ball. It's just mechanically. So he's just – that's going to have to create that, that uh, urgency – for being disciplined with all those aspects of the mechanics in the passing game. Speaking with Brian Irwin, uh, former head football coach, two-time state champion of the Lamarck Cougars, uh, alongside Blake Monroe and Jerry Hamilton here on this uh, morning's Coffee and Football, uh, brought to you by Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, Brian, I, I put some stats up on the scroll this morning that should be music to any coach's ears. Uh, you win a lot of football games playing good defense and good special teams, right? Amen. Uh, ESPN ranks Texas currently number one in defensive efficiency in the country. Number one. Okay. They're giving up 14.67 points per game, just four touchdowns through three, uh, through uh, uh, three uh, weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, they're second overall in net punting. Ryan Sanborn now 46.7 yards per punt. They're also in the top 20 in punt return yardage. Wow. Uh, per punt. So uh, that hidden yardage, as well as the defensive stats, have to be music to a coach's ears, right? Definitely, definitely. You you and I talked about this preseason, you know, punting. So that, that ups our punting almost five yards a punt yep. from last year. You go from 42 to almost 47 net punting. Gigantic. Okay, how many times you punt a game? Uh, four or five times in a in a uh, hotly contested game. That's, you know, that's 20, 25 yards right there. And then you throw in the punt return yardage and there's another 20 25 yards and 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 then you know you throw in everything else so you, you got you know 75 to 100 yards hidden there within the special teams and then defensively defense travels defense just travels you know my golf game doesn't travel <laughs> I'm telling you uh, uh, defense travels when your offense isn't clicking when it's not doing what it needs to do when it's slow out of the gate when when the, when the opponent shows up with a completely different defense and stalls you out for a quarter to two quarters, your defense travels and it carries you in it, in it and it gets you into that fourth quarter uh, to make that run. Jerry, you have something you want to ask? Yeah, yeah. When you look at uh, uh, Baylor, Coach, um, obviously they're going to play that that flyover defense, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know it's coming from Dave Aranda. They play – they've been multiple. They've played – a lot of three down. They played some four down. 
Um, their linebackers look very good and active to me. Kind of what you've seen from Baylor, what, what are your thoughts on the Bears uh, defensively? Defensively, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to get after their dog defense, the flower defense we're going to see, I'm sure, quite a bit. Um, they're always physical. They're always physical. They're always active. Um, they're they're going to try to force turnovers. They've, they've done a good job of that, you know, the last couple of years. Uh, they're opportunistic is the way I, you know, see Baylor. They're very opportunistic, very physical, very fast, well coached. Uh, so the the script is going to be the same as what we saw against Rice and what we saw against Wyoming. Uh, maybe a little bend, but don't break. Don't get beat over the top. Let's see if we can stop the run with a light box. Let's see if Texas will commit to the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember it was last year, right, that, that we just totally committed to the run, you know, the second half. Uh, had an ungodly amount of run plays in a row. I don't remember exactly what that number was, but I remember it was high. Um, so we just got to be committed to, you know, take what they give us. That's the bottom line on offense. Take what they give you. If, if, if you're going to throw it 40 times one week, you may run it 60 times the next week. We just got to take what they give us and, and, and not force things knowing that, uh, we are confident in our run game, our pass game. Uh, the other side of that question, Jerry, I, I you know, I can't help but believe I, the way Bader plays offense, uh, it's, it's the Wyoming style. Yeah, uh, they're going to stretch us. They're going to run the stretch. They're going to run the play action. They're going to run the the naked, the boots in the play action game. They're going to try to play keep away. It's going to be a keep away type of approach. It's the exact same script. The way Baylor plays is exactly the way Wyoming plays. Yeah. Hey, hey, by the way, Bobby, a coach, I asked Coach Kelly at Saraland yesterday, just seeing what kind of defenses they throw at KJ. And, and I asked him about the, you know, three down, three high, uh, three safety look. He said, we get it. And I said, what do you do? He said, we run the dang ball. <laughs> yeah. That's what, he said, we run the dang ball. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's easier said than done, it uh, is. to be honest it with is. you, especially when you have a, 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 an excellent defensive front. And Baylor has a veteran defensive front. Jerry, you mentioned yep. those, uh, those linebackers. They also have a good group of defensive linemen as well. Uh, they they did lose Siaka Ika, a uh, young man uh, that was 350 pounds, manning the middle for them a year ago, and, and has had done such a great job. They lost him to the NFL, but T.J. Franklin uh, is back uh, as well as Gabe Hall. They've got some guys up there. Um, the question I, I I'm interested in, Brian, now as as you look at this coach, three games in, Texas is three and zero, kind of unsurprising, right? To most people, most people expected Texas to be two and one at best. Mm-hmm. Um, your your thoughts on what you're telling the team right now, what the team is is thinking behind the scenes in that regard? Uh, it's cliche, it's old school, but it's 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 we're taking this thing one not one game at a time. We're taking it one day at a time. Yeah. Uh, let's don't get ahead of ourselves. Let's don't start smelling ourselves. Let's work the process. Let's let's do what we're supposed to do when we're supposed to do it. Do it the same way every time. What, regardless of what day it is, when they know what Mondays look like, they know what Wednesdays look like, they know what Fridays look like, and it's got to look like that. And if it doesn't, then we're deviating from the norm. And and if we deviate from the norm, then you know what happens. You, you can come out flat. You can come out with with not the ultimate energy, the ultimate focus, just like. Sort of mentioned, you know, how do you go into Brian Denny Stadium and not commit a procedure penalty 
and then you commit one the very first play of the game in your home on your home turf. That's just focus, uh, being you know being totally locked in versus not being locked in, and that comes down to the preparation, the process, going back you know five days earlier, four days earlier, three days earlier, just taking this thing one day at a time. And can you imagine how tough it is? I mean, with today's day and time with NIL and with with social media and and all the things being thrown at these kids. Um, it's it's got to be a constant. Just you got to keep your thumb on it all the time. And and I know Sark mentioned that he he struggles with. He spent so long trying to build confidence in our team and in our guys and in the program. And now you know you almost got to kind of beat them down. And and that was my mantra: is if my team is down, I'm 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 lifting them up. I'm encouraging. If they're high, if they're rolling, I'm beating them down. You 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 got to be doing one or the other, and uh, right now we're pretty good. we're pretty good. You know we're leading the country in defense. We're almost leading the country in special teams. We're ranked number three. We're positioned pretty good. I'm hammering them. I'm hammering them every day, every five minute segment of practice. I'm hammering them. Got it. Well, you sounds like you're you're a coach. <laughs> I agree with that. By the with way. words like that. Yeah. Hey, I've said before, I kind of like the way the schedule is, is shook out early for Sark this year. Home game didn't play up to the level. Road game, Bama. Yeah. Come back home, Wyoming, didn't play to the level. Road game, Baylor. Yeah. I like the way it's setting up from a coaching, coaching a team perspective, coach. I mean, it's yeah. you come back after we didn't meet our standard and you're on the road. And I don't care if how Baylor's looked this year. Georgia won 26-22 at Missouri last year. There's no way Georgia was just four points better than Missouri. No, no, you're, you're exactly right. And, guys, you know the history here. I mean, it's Baylor's a tough place to play. Uh, Bobby, when you and I were in school, they beat us, shouldn't have beat us. It was ugly. I think it was I, – I, I can't remember. It was, you know – one of the last years of the Southwest Conference or something or something. Well, right Bell Pinckney and Mike Adams and those guys. Yeah, and I think it was the last year of the Southwest Conference, I believe. And last I, year with Grant Taff as head coach. That's that's correct. That's correct. And and you know over there at Floyd Casey and and uh, there were some fireworks fired after that game uh, between coaching staffs and things like that. I remember that as well, <laughs> coming up the stairs. And then you know going back to when I was five years old, nineteen seventy. Four. I was at I was at Baylor and the Miracle on the Brazos. Uh, I believe that was seventy four. But uh, the Miracle on Brazos and and I was at that game. I remember crying like a baby after that game when when Baylor beat us. And uh, so you know Baylor's Baylor's knocked us off a handful of times, especially in Waco. So we we've got to be ready to go. I saw an interview last night by Dave Aranda, and I know uh, we're going to see the backup quarterback, but uh, they've already named that, and, and they feel like he's a great competitor and. You know, they, they feel good about their defense. They feel good about yeah. their office, offensive line. The offensive line is maturing and starting to pick things up, stunts, blitzes, twists, things like that. So it's going to be a tough test. But, but Jerry, I do agree with you. This lines up perfectly where where now Sark's hammered them, you know, based on the performance of last week, maybe not being totally ready to go. And uh, uh, I think it sets the table up pretty well for this week in Waco. All right, Coach, that, that, we appreciate you joining us here for a little bit this morning. That's Brian Irwin, two-time state championship head football coach of Lamarck Cougars, uh, then went on to uh, uh, be the head coach at several other schools around the state of Texas. Uh, Brian, thanks for uh, stepping in. We hope to see you a little bit later this week 
And uh, thanks for doing the lunch with the coach with, with us every Monday as well. You bet. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Welcome. Right. Coach. Have a good one, Coach. Take care of yourself. All right, uh, Blake, you you ready, buddy, to, to right. lead us the way and, and talk uh, guide us the rest of the way today? All right, I think I'm ready. All right, Jerry, you were talking about being on the road yep. uh, just a little bit ago. And uh, let's see, we got through Alabama. You're in Orlando today. What are you checking out today in Orlando? Yeah, I'm going to go see DeAndre Robinson. Uh, I'm going to go to another school, which I'll keep a little quiet for now. But going to go see DeAndre Robinson this afternoon for practice, check on the Texas commitment. I want to – Really, his coach played running back at Florida. I want to sit down with his coach, have a conversation about DeAndre, his senior year, how he's attacking it, because he's a highly productive guy, Bobby, as for as much as he gets double. I mean, 13 tackles at good council when you're getting blown out isn't normal. Guys no, not for a defensive tackle. No, guys take plays off when you're down 30. You don't get 13 tackles against good council taking plays off. No doubt. So he is playing hard. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder. I want to go sit down with his coach today. Uh, talk to him a little bit about DeAndre um, and talk to DeAndre as well. So we'll have some stuff for you guys on the live stream tonight. I'll be on the live stream tonight with Rod Baber. So we'll talk all about that stop tonight as well as on Inside Texas. I put up some recruiting intel on Inside Texas as well, a little bit on Ryan Williams uh, from Sarah Land yesterday. Uh, latest on uh, the modern day kids, Brandon Baker, obviously four days away from his Sunday announcement. Uh, everything seems to be trim trending to Texas still. Uh, but, you know, these guys have to announce. I can tell you, as of last night, Brandon Baker did not inform colleges of his decision, which you wouldn't expect. Those guys normally do that the night before or day of an announcement. So uh, he has not informed schools of his decision as of last night. Um, so I think everything's trending for Texas. But, look, until they get out there and say it, uh, you know, the, we, we cover it. Um, and we'll keep talking about it until uh, Brandon Baker announces that decision. Um, I think Texas is doing very well at modern day in general. Um, and that's with Jordan Davison and Marcus Harris, the two top 50 kids in 2025. Um, I have a little bit of uh, on those guys on the intel and inside Texas. But uh, uh, Texas is doing well with those guys, and that's made its way into the southeast, if you get what I'm Yeah. I, hey, Jerry, <laughs> I had a question for you on this. So you're going to see uh, – obviously going to see Solomon Williams on this trip as well. Uh, possible okay gotcha been gotcha. on the family situation yeah oh i got you yeah because he's, he's just grandfather in the hospital yeah. so, so jerry um if you're able to do that uh, isn't it that time of year where we start to see if texas is picked up on anybody that they like as seniors isn't that getting ready to start like last year it was warren yeah. roberson kind of came out of nowhere and got an offer is it it, we're, we're four to five games into the Texas high school football season. Yeah. And, and around the country as well. So you would think that there might be guys starting to crop up or one or two at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in 25s too. I mean, but yeah, 24s. I, I look at safety. Um, I, you know, there's some really good safeties in the state of Texas. Um, you know, we mentioned the Dante Carter kid out of Civil yeah. Steel before um, who's committed to Vanderbilt as a kid who's really good. And I know Texas and TCU liked him in the spring when they went by. They just want one that Texas pushed on at the time. Josh Lair announces Sunday. Um, if Texas doesn't make a push there, they may uh, look at they may look at say a different safety as a senior in this class. So we'll see. Um, 2025s as well. I mean, you know, I'm going to go up that Space Coast, go over the Space Coast tomorrow on Thursday as, as well. And um, you know, look, Texas has offered three defensive linemen in the Sunshine State in 2025, and I'm going to bounce and see all those guys uh, tomorrow. 
so and one of those guys was just, Coco High was just offered two weeks ago. So those those junior year evaluations for 25, senior year evaluations for 24 kids are definitely underway. Um, and, and, you know, being at Sarah Land yesterday, what was interesting is, you know, the off week for Texas is October 13th. They play OU, then they have the off week before uh, U of H on the 21st. That's a week that the Texas staff is going to be out on the road recruiting around the country. And A.J. Milwee uh, is scheduled to be at Sarah Land that 13th for their uh, Sarah Land's Friday night game. Obviously, there's a chance Sarkeesian will be at that one as well uh, because Ryan Williams does play at Sarah Land. But, yeah, that, that's going to show you a lot about who Texas may like as seniors in 24 and some guys they've seen early in 25 when they disperse around the country that week and go see kids. All right, guys. We got a uh, a bunch of recruiting questions that we'll get to. But first, we have a couple of super chats that we need to knock out. Our first one here is from William Niche. Thank you, William. And he says, it's, there's been quite a few competitive games between Power 5 and non-Power 5 opponents. Is the portal actually creating parity within college football? I recall some analysts predicting the opposite effect. I think the Blue Bloods have a huge advantage still because you can get the higher-end guys in the portal. You can uh, you can get the, the bluest of the blue chips on an annual basis. And when you combine that, it's a pretty good place to be. I think for the G5s of Bobby and Blake, I think what's interesting is the kids who portal down from Power 5 to G5, it, if you're so very selective, if you're not just trying to acquire talent but build the best team you can, I think you can reap some rewards in G5. If you really, But, you know, some of those kids that are jumping from uh, into the portal and going down aren't necessarily the guys you want in your program. So I, I think it, it's not about collecting talent. It's about building a team. And if you uh, if you build a team properly in the G5 level to your locker room, to your scheme, to your fit, I think you have a chance to be a pretty good G5 team, Bobby. No, I, I look, I don't – I think it's all coaching a little bit. Whenever you start talking about roster construction, I look at a guy – what a guy like Chris Kleiman's done in the portal, uh, Lance Leopold at Kansas – at Kansas and Kansas State, uh, those two guys have not gotten the stars of the portal by any stretch, but they've bolstered their team. Chris yeah. Kleiman, for example, needed another running back. He went out and got a really good one, right? Um, those guys that, that I really believe it, it's a football player personnel director's dream. Yes, if absolutely. If they are uh, good and if their head coach gives them uh, the level, the the ability to go out and do it, and wants to. I mean, the, a lot of coaches are give lip service to roster construction, in my opinion, too much. Uh, some of them have been at Texas before as head coaches, uh, but real ro roster construction uh, it, it means it means attacking every aspect of it. So developing your players, recruiting players, using the portal keeping players, all of that uh, matters. And if you're not using the portal as a portion of that, uh, I don't know. The big thing for me is, like I said, though, it's it's not necessarily big school versus little school, although big schools have some inherent advantages. It's about the, the head coach. I really believe that. And, and then going down to their player personnel people. 
Uh, then we have another super chat uh, from Tyler Ruiz. Thank you, Tyler. And he says, Hookham and good morning, fellas, from Daytona Beach, Florida. Going to my first Longhorn game against Kansas State. I wish I could bring the new five-star LJ McCray with me. Nice. Hey, man, LJ McCray, big-time dude. Now, Daytona Beach mainland uh, has put out some tremendous players. Um, I, if Texas was recruiting them, I'd be stopping by. I'm going to be right in that area. Um, t- tomorrow, but uh, yeah, LJ McCray's big time, big time guy now, and they have a DB, DB over there. Uh, I think it's a Florida lean. He, he is tremendous as well. Okay. November fourth, I'm going down. My my uh, my daughter and uh, her friends, and I'm taking them to a, uh, a Longhorn game. My daughter grew up a Texas fan, now goes to college elsewhere, uh, and uh, she is uh, coming down. We're going to stay the weekend on the Kansas State weekend. I can't wait. Uh, she's in school right now, so uh, going to be one of the first times I get to see her in a couple of months. So I'll, I'll see you there. <laughs> All right. We got a lot more recruiting questions that we're going to get to and also plenty of time to get your questions in. So please do so. We'll get to as many as we can. And uh, this next one is from Peyton Ross, and he says, Weston Davis is now a five-star. Can we still possibly flip him from A&M? Jerry? Well, te- Texas is recruiting Weston Davis out of Beaumont United. That's for sure. Um the whole key will be, does he show up on campus this year? If he does, then it gets real, right? And and you know that's the fight right now in recruiting is not just AM, not just for AM versus Texas, but also for LSU. The fight is if you're AM is to keep him from getting on those campuses. Um, so because he was considered a guy that people thought was going to go to LSU and AM won that one late. Um, there were actually picks in for LSU on that, me being one of them. Uh, but I can tell you that he's remaining. He remains in contact with multiple schools. Nobody's backing off him. The key, the next key, is going to be: Can you get him on campus? If you can't get him on campus, then you're having meaningless conversations. At the end of the day. All right, Bobby. Before we move on to the next question, I'm going to let you tell everybody about the sponsor today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we really appreciate uh, our, our friends over at the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, Adam and his group uh, have been great to us through the years. Uh, that's lowylawfirm.com. If you've been injured in an uh, auto accident or on the job, uh, give Adam and his group a call. Uh, it is 512-280-0800. He's been doing this for decades. Uh, or visit him at lowylawfirm.com. Uh, what I've been told that's really great about Adam is he gives you a free consultation. It's no cost to you. Call him at 512-280-0800 or go to lowylawfirm.com. We appreciate Adam and his sponsorship, not only of uh, the uh, On Texas Football, but also of the state of the program, which we'll have later today with Eric Nalene as well. I appreciate you guys. All right, let's get back to some questions, guys. And yes, thank you, Adam. We appreciate you sponsoring the show. And Jose Rodriguez says, Jerry, will Texas ever make an effort to recruit Miami, or is that a hard area to recruit due to the U? That's a great question because Texas is recruiting successfully in Florida. They actually got down into uh, Broward County for a punter, Michael Kern at STA. Look, I I think the key here is will Texas ever? I don't have that answer. Should they? Yes, but here's here's the reality right now. The staff isn't set up to recruit Miami. Tashard Choice has is always recruited Orlando, Southwest Tampa. I think those are areas you can get really good players out of Florida. Um, I think what you get down in Dayton Broward, man, between Alabama, Georgia, Miami, Florida State, I mean, that's some tougher sledding there. 
I think Jacksonville, if you pick your spots, you can do well in coming into the state of Florida. But right now, the staff isn't set up. There's nobody with those connections in Dade County and really truly Broward County that has years of experience recruiting down there, and it does matter. Um, but they're set up more for southwest part of Florida, that Tampa area, that corridor up to Orlando. Uh, but if somebody's added to the staff at some point that has those connections in Miami, I think you'd see Texas start to recruit in Dayton, Broward County more, Bobby. There's, there's no more talented area in the country than that. I mean, I've been, I've been everywhere. I mean, Atlanta's great. Houston and Dallas are tremendous. Uh, LA's tremendous. Those are the, those are the hubs of talent in this yeah. country, in my opinion. Now, you could get into areas of Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. They're just more disparate. They're not as concentrated. Um, so they're 30 miles away from each other. You literally could go from one high school to the next in Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, Miami, and L.A. and just get all you need. You really could. That yeah. that would be a that would be opening up a different can of worms. Hey, and by the way, part of Saban's long term success in Alabama, guys, is tied to Miami's struggles and Florida State struggles in Florida. All three of those programs arguably being down at the same time. When you look at the receivers from that Dayton Broward County that went to Alabama at Nick's height of his his powers at Alabama. You're talking about Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Calvin Ridley. I mean, do you want me to keep going? I mean, it's first round, first round, first round. I mean, it's been impactful. And DBs, uh, Pat Sertain's kid, to Bama, right? Georgia has done very well at American Heritage. The Florida schools being down, especially Miami, um, has definitely aided in Alabama and Georgia's rise from a skill standpoint. And the interesting thing about recruiting Miami to me is once kids started going out when seven on seven picked up and they started seeing facilities and schools around the country, they realized how far behind Miami really was. Yeah. And that has really hurt Miami in recruiting over the years. All right, we're going to move on to the next one. And uh, it is from Ski Break. He says, does Wingo have a set date or is it still just generally speaking? If he gives a set date coming out of the Mizzou game this weekend, where will you stand? Uh, no set date. Uh, I, uh, Justin Wells and I, Chad Simmons, none of us believe it'll be December. Um, we think it'll be earlier than that. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, you know, some people, if he comes out of Missouri and sets a date, you know, next couple of weeks, early October, people say, oh, it's great for Missouri. And we'll see. I mean, um, you know, it, Williams in the one area committed to Missouri pretty quick after the new NIL legislation came down. He's also not a midterm graduate. Ryan Wingo is a December graduate. Um, and so he's got roughly what, two and a half months, three months of high school left before he goes to college. Um, I think Texas is in a good spot. Uh, my, Missouri is the competition. Tennessee's a peripheral third. Okay, guys, let's move on, and we'll talk about the Baylor game. we got some questions on yet. H-Bomb Horn says, are we going to see a flat Texas that performs down to Baylor's level and allows them to stay in the game, or a hungry, dominating Texas? Or somewhere in between. <laughs> I think we're going to see I, a hungry Texas, but I think we're going to see Baylor's best game of the year, right, Bobby? Yeah, I, and here was here, I, Texas may not be. People don't understand this. You could be a really good team and not be a dominating team yet. I mean, that that's the thing. Texas has not been dominating in any of their games, in my opinion. 
They now they smothered Rice on defense for for in large part, and you know they 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 were great against Wyoming for a quarter. They were really good against Alabama for uh, several quarters, but were they ever dominant the whole way through? I don't know that we're looking at a dominant Texas team, at least not yet. We haven't seen that performance from start to finish. I know that. Um, but to Jerry's point and what Brian Irwin, Coach Brian Irwin and Jerry were talking about earlier, th- this is the idea is it sets up, this game sets up well for Texas. Not performing all that great against Wyoming kind of refor- refocuses you for the task at hand in Waco this weekend. Uh, the difference being that the Rice game, you knew they were looking ahead to Alabama. With Wyoming, were they really looking ahead to Baylor, or did Wyoming just come up and pop them in the mouth pretty good? And I, I think it's more of the uh, of the latter there. I, and I, I and I'm going to go. I'm going to harp on something I have been. First down run defense has never been more important than when this new clock rule. Uh, and one thing that Texas needs to do against Baylor is get them behind the chains a little bit. They didn't do it against Wyoming in the first three quarters. And, and Wyoming dictated the game to the point where there was some chewing on fingernails. Let's be real. And Baylor's going to come out in their own house and try to do the same thing. No doubt about it. All right. Tempest Andro, or Arduro, excuse me, says, is this the night game at Baylor the week that Ewers' toughness gets tested? He still has not been hit hard yet. Oh, other than by the media? <laughs> <laughs> that guy takes a beating now. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> quarterbacks take a beating in the media now. So, um, uh, not that those guys read that ever. Um, let's see. I, you know, I, I'll say this. I think Baylor's linebackers are really good players. Matt Jones, the, the kid who transferred Smith Jr. from Liberty. Um, I, 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 it'll be interesting to see. I know Baylor's got a deep, good defensive front, experienced defensive front. I actually think it's the linebackers who are the best group for Baylor. Uh, based on watching them against Utah. Um, it, 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 one of the things Dave Aranda said at his press conference was interesting to me. He said a number of things. Of course, the funniest thing was he got answered, asked three times, how big is the Texas game for the that, for the Baylor fans? You all understand this is the last time you're going to play. And Aranda said, yes, Baylor people have said, if you can only win one game all season, this is the one. But he said Texas offensive line being more experienced, they're accustomed to seeing things cross their vision. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games. So that's a really good defensive coordinator that got after the younger Texas offensive line last year. He's talking like he sees some development. With that being said, we all know who he's going to go after Saturday. He's going to go after the young guy DJ Campbell because he that is he's talk he's he's talking about how more experienced they are. There's one position right guard where they're not. DJ Campbell's going to make essentially he's making his fourth start Saturday, and they're going to go at him. And, and, and with Cole Hudson out now, it'll be interesting to me, for me, Bobby. Or do you see Hayden Connor play some right guard? to take some pressure off DJ Campbell. You start to see Neto play some left guard now that Cole Hudson's out because that was a great blanket for Texas to have. If DJ struggled in pass pro, you could roll Cole Hudson right in there. Yeah, it's going to – we need to see DJ Campbell grow up a little bit, I think, Gary. Yeah. And I think he is. He I is. Mean, it takes time. Yeah. Now, he and Christian Jones had a miscommunication on one pass protection play. Uh, the only sack Texas gave up uh, on Saturday night against Wyoming. And you can bet Dave Aranda is going to do that again. Um, he he see, he saw it. He's not blind. Um, and so, you know, what is, what is Steve Sarkeesian going to do in this game to negate or limit Dave Aranda's desire to kind of light up the quarterback? Yeah. And I think that it comes down to first down success for Texas. Um, Baylor's going to be less – Less inventive uh, if it's third and two than they are if it's third and ten, right? Uh, and so that that's where Texas got itself in trouble, I thought, last year against Baylor. And that's why when the Longhorns just started running the ball like they did uh, in that fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter against Baylor a year ago, they took control of it. Um, I One thing I wanted to bring up uh, that I think is going to be interesting is the ongoing use of the Wildcat uh, it, with Savion Red. I think that's going to be a larger and larger piece of the Texas short yardage game as we move forward. So that that could be another thing that, frankly, uh, Baylor has to account for uh, this weekend. Uh, hey, guys, I want to say thank you to one of our uh, key sponsors here. Uh, with the busy football season here, kids in school and what have you, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for those jam-packed days. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It helps you fuel up with fast, chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals, and they're delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay or get on track with a healthy lifestyle. You can skip the extra trip to the grocery store while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to doing whatever you need to do. My wife and I are big believers in their calorie-conscious options. Uh, just 550 calories per plate. The chicken is literally the best I've had, and we've tried several different services like this. Uh, we really, really like Factor. Uh, so head to factormeals.com forward slash Texas50. Use code Texas50 to get 50% off. That's tech code Texas50 at factormeals.com forward slash Texas50 to get 50% off. Uh, fresh and never frozen meals from Factor. Thanks for their sponsorship. 
All right, guys, we got more Baylor questions here that are rolling in. So we're going to resume with those. King Me says, how much did the Wyoming play style get us ready for Baylor? Quite a bit. Uh, quite a bit. Uh, especially the the moving the pocket around. Um, I think that's going to happen. And then the outside zone plays. Baylor runs more outside zone than Wyoming, though. Wyoming tried to hit, tries to hit you up the gut. Uh, a little bit and really tried to, to to run at you. They didn't want to run to the sideline because they feared Texas might be able to have too many athletes to stop for no gain. And I will say this, uh, that may play a role in this. Uh, I talked about it last night with Rod Babers. The outside zone play can be, can break bigger runs. So seven yard runs, nine yard runs, 12 yard runs, the outside zone. But they also can hit, unless you're just perfect on them, they also can be stopped for no gain more easily than the than the plunge up the middle on first down that Wyoming was doing, right? So the power up the middle. Um, and that I don't know that Baylor necessarily wants to do that against this Texas defense. Uh, but I do, I do believe that uh, the run defense is going to be tested this weekend for the Longhorns. Um, and that's that's a big piece of it, a real big piece of it. Uh, Sawyer Robertson, by the way, guys, this is this will be his third start. He's just getting his feet underneath him. Right now, he's been 45% passing for the season. If he equals that in this game, Texas is going to win and, and should win pretty easily. If he's above that, you know, 60, 65%, that's not what he's shown thus far. He's certainly capable of it. That's where Texas could get, get uh, a, tough, a tough night in uh, Waco. Uh, this next question is actually from the Inside Texas Boards, and, he's, and it's from Realist Horn. He says, are there any concerns that Baylor treated Long Island like Texas did Rice and used those two weeks to prepare for Texas? It would explain the stark difference between the Utah game and Long Island. Uh, one thing Aranda said in this press conference was the first series of the game, Long Island tried to run all the same stuff offensively Texas State did against Baylor. And he said, he said so – they got them early, and then they adjusted. But to that point, Dominic Richardson's their leading rusher. He didn't play last week, right? So they used that game to get healthier. There's no doubt about it. Um, uh, and I'm not sure he's playing this week. But there's – look, but also Randa said that Blake Chapin's probably is not ready. Now, is he going to play some cat and mouse and he rolls him out there? We'll see. I, I, I tend to think not. But, you know, look, they definitely used that game to get healthier. There's no doubt about that, Bobby. Yeah, and I do think that he looked forward. Um, and that's one of the reasons why they scheduled Long Island where they did. Mm -hmm. um, not that they knew Texas was going to be the first one in, but they knew it would be the first conference game coming up after it. Uh, so I, I have no no doubt that Baylor used used Texas like that I, or used Long Island to that, that uh, degree. But coaches do it all the time. Texas did it with Rice. Um, you know, OU will do it with whoever whenever they play. I mean – it happens. Um, it, it's a it's a it's a normal piece of what happens. The big thing, though, is this: Dave Aranda saw himself have a lot of success against Texas last year with his different pressure packages. Texas then started running the ball down their throat in the third and fourth quarter. I'm sure Steve Sarkeesian's thinking, "Okay, I'm going to try to do that again." And Dave Aranda's been working all offseason about not letting Steve Sarkeesian do that again. And so we're going to see a meeting of minds fairly early in that regard. Uh, you know, who's done the better off-season work? Uh, because also this, 
you know, hybrid defense, this three-three-five that gives has given Texas so much problems or so many problems. Steve Sarkeesian in particular, he's been working on that all, all offseason as well. And you know, y'all need to check out uh, football theory with Rod Babers tomorrow uh, because I think he and Ian Boyd are going to try to break down what they think Texas might try to do uh, to negate some of those uh, those uh, possibilities by Baylor and other Big Twelve schools. By, by the way, Ski Brick, I agree with you, but we'll, we'll see. I, I'm not the Baylor. I'm not the Baylor team doctor. So what, what what's the question? Well, that uh, Shapener's out, Richardson's out for sure. I'm not the team doctor. I don't know. So um, they are they going to play? I would think not. But I'm also not the team doctor. Um, but uh, the other thing in the comments is like you know we're giving Baylor too much credit. Look, guys, it's football. I'm sure Georgia thought they were going to go maul Missouri last year, and they won 26-22. Just sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Is Texas a better team than Baylor? Hell yeah, they're a better team than Baylor. I mean, I, there's not any question about that. People told me I was giving Wyoming too much credit last week on this same show, by the way. I mean, I, I'm just going to put that out there, guys. Georgia went to Kentucky last year and had 360 yards and won 16-6. They're more than 10 points better than Kentucky. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, you know, it's if Texas plays their best, they should probably cover the spread. They have to go play their best. But it, it, and, and that is – the key is, what did you take from Wyoming? Can you get Baylor behind the change? Because what what changes these games to me is Baylor. You know what Baylor's about to do. They're going to look at what Wyoming did and try to replicate it to the best of their ability with some more quarterback run game stuff. Right? They're going to challenge your ends to not crush hard. It's going to be a big game for Ethan Burt, Baron Sorrell, Justice Finkley. Be very disciplined because then they'll run quarterback power behind your butt on that. But they're going to try to choke the clock. And if they're successful choking the clock, then, you know, you get into a situation where this game might be a little different than what you think. All right. Well, plenty of time to get your questions in, guys. So we still got quite a bit here on Coffee and Football, brought to you by Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. want to thank them for sponsoring the show yet again. And uh, Sue Barnes says, what is the key to getting off to a good start against Baylor? What formations or schemes might be effective against Aranda's defense? I'm going to go back to Wyoming game real quick. Not start the game with a false start, so you're first and 15. I I think, to Bobby's point, get in the third and manageables early in this game against this Baylor defense. If you can get the third and manageables, if you're not sitting at third and 10, 12, 15 early in this game, I think it's a huge benefit. Does that mean you run the ball on first down? Second down a little bit more early in this game uh, to attack those guys. We'll see. Uh, but to, for me, offensively, it's it's not getting behind the chains on your first couple of possessions. Bobby? I think they're going to go heavy set to start um, with Malik Ogbo and see what Baylor does to react to that early. Um, I, I also think that they're going to try to throw some swing passes to the running backs in the flat uh, and try to, to – Beat Baylor's beat Baylor up a little bit out there and make them chase. Uh, perhaps get the defensive line a little winded. Uh, the B- Baylor, while they have a good defensive line, they do not have great amount of depth there. Um, and so this is a, a game where if you get those guys moving sideways, they might have problems doing other things long term. 
Um, and so that that would be one. As far as Texas on defense, um, I think they just got to play the run and stay in their run gaps on that that outside zone. That could hurt you. Um, if if they if Baylor is making hay on outside zone early, and Texas doesn't come back and and uh, negate that, then then it's going to be a long night in Waco. And that that is a offense that can beat you if you don't defend that well. They will just keep going back to it. Hey, Nick Ramo, uh, Ramos, uh, I saw Ogbo against Rice. He looks skinny now. He's lost a lot of weight. I mean, he's, he's lost a good 40 pounds, maybe 50 since he showed up. They're reshaping his body. Um, he's done a really good job with that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where he's at next year as he adds more strength, continue to add more strength to that frame. But he's got – I'll say this. Of all the best uh, – of all the offensive linemen in the Texas program, he has the quickest feet. He has the quickest feet. If you just watch him in drills, that kid was blessed with really quick feet for his size. Uh, we got one more Baylor question, guys, that we're going to get to from Jacob H. He says, do you think after the loss of Cole Hudson, Sark's game plan will be geared more to a Brooks slash Baxter versus Baylor, where Quinn is like 18 and 24 for 220 and a couple of touchdowns? I'd take that. <laughs> I'd take that and go to the house right now. If, if that's the if that's Quinn's stat line, that's a win. You agree with that, Jerry? Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Because if if you've thrown twenty four passes, you probably run it 36, 37 times, and that means you're controlling the game and the clock. So yes, uh, Bob <laughs> City Blue Jay asked if we're if Texas is done with Hunter Maud, and yes. Thank you for the super chat, uh, Bomb City Blue Jay. And speaking of super chats, we got one from Antonio Harris, guys. And he says, Broken, I've seen this kid in the backfield a lot. What do you think his snap counts are in the future? At least two sacks he's missed on. Justin Wells had a good stat, guys. Listen to this stat, Jerry and Blake. Uh, last night, Justin and I were talking uh, along with Rod Babers on the live stream. Justin said only two Longhorn defensive linemen have averaged more than 30 or have actually had more than 30 snaps in a single game so far this year. Only two Byron Murphy and Tavondre sweat. sweat and that was against Alabama sweat had 34 snaps. Murphy had 33. That is just, that's amazing. I mean, they, they truly are basically 50% players at this point. And those are two of your better players. So, they are doing a good job keeping those guys fresh and giving opportunities to guys like Vernon, Vernon Broton. He is a very good guy up the field. He is not great at anchoring. Um, and that's one of the reasons why they, they've got to find the right fit for Vernon Broton, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and uh, I do think his snap counts are going to stay in that 20 range. I don't think he's going to be an every down guy or anything like that, but uh, he, he certainly has – he amped up his ability year over year. He has shown – he's one of those guys that has shown continual improvement, and he's a better player this year than he was last year. So, again, player development matters uh, long-term in the program. Uh, I'm happy with where Vernon is at. I, I'm actually pleasantly surprised with him right now. Yeah, and, and by the way, I mean, we haven't seen the best of Trill Carter yet either. Uh, and hopefully he continues to get closer to 100% as this season moves along. He's playing a little bit more. So there's another key piece, and I think Dre Bledsoe will continue to come on. Uh, so going into the season, I mean, you know, people looked, okay, well, the depth at D-line, these three guys may go after this year. 
Um, but the depth's starting to build on that defensive line at, at Texas, for sure. Uh, Zane Petty has a great question at 10.02. I think it's a great point, Bobby. Jerry, do you remember? Yeah, go when, ahead. Okay, when Barron was let out of his letter by Aranda, when Rule left, and why Murphy decommitted from Baylor before he committed to Texas. Those were huge at the time, um, obviously. And Aranda letting ba- Barron out of his LOI was uh, it ended up being very good for Texas, right? But uh, uh, Byron Murphy, look, that was um, uh, Texas came in there uh, hard and heavy on him, um, and and I was t- I talked to uh, people at. Uh, um, that were in that recruitment for Baylor, and, and they they knew once Texas came in, he, they, it was going to be tough to hold on to him. They, they knew they had a really good early evaluation uh, on Byron Murphy, but they also knew when Texas came in, it was going to be tough um, for for them to keep him committed. They, in fact, they were just counting down the days until he flipped. Well, you got to remember, Texas is a pretty good academic school in comparison to Baylor. No offense to, to Baylor fans. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad or anything, um, but Murphy had his associate's degree as a senior in high school he already had 60 college hours um he he was ready to go uh and i think that played a role i also think with uh dave uh, with jade baron you know matt rule left um and so that that played a role in that one as well i mean you can't can't have the head coach leave and and still try to be that you know so it, uh but to your point it's another thing where if you don't keep recruiting to the whistle those are two guys that aren't on this Texas roster, along with a half dozen other that have really made a difference. I, I mean, agree. With Terrence yeah. Brooks. Terrence Brooks starts for Texas. That's yeah. a late. That's a late flip. I mean, yeah. uh, Jalen Ford, late flip from Utah. Yeah, I mean, so that's why those late uh, commitments and everybody can always talk about them. They, they matter uh, because a, a lot. If you're fighting for guys late, that typically means the coaches think they're pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's they're willing to invest the time to try to make that happen. Uh, we're going to take this follow-up question from what we were talking about a second ago from Chris Young. He says, Drew Kelson mentioned getting upfield penetration in the run game as a weakness against Baylor. Are you saying that Broden may not be the best option to stop the Baylor run, Bobby? Yes. Yes, because you have to maintain your lap or your gap. Uh, like, look. Baylor's gonna outside zone. They're gonna push you wherever they wherever you're going, and so if you can't anchor and maintain a gap, you're gonna run into another guy that's gonna knock over another guy and create another lane. And Broton is not necessarily really good against anchoring his run. That's just not what his best attribute is. His best attribute is getting upfield. Uh, if that can be a negative. Uh, they can use your strength against you in this wide zone. That That's the reality of it. So somebody, Todd Lacey, I think it, he had made a comment a few minutes ago about the edges are going to be really tested this week, setting the edge. I agree, and also their discipline. Because against Utah, Baylor attacked that edge. They let that edge crash down. Then they ran quarterback power off his butt. I mean, so that that the edge – position I think is going to be huge this week against the run for Texas. They have to be very disciplined. Uh, let's take some more team-related questions. And UT Parking says, how would y'all grade Terrence Brooks and Gavin Holmes so far? I think Terrence Brooks has been very good. But you know when a corner is very good to me, unless they're just making leaping interceptions and returning for touchdowns, is when the only time we're talking about them is on a BS pass interference call. That means they're really doing their job. 
We're not talking about guys getting beat over the top for touchdowns, 70 yards, game-changing momentum play. You know, I, I think those I, – I, look, I think Terrence Brooks has been very good this year, Bobby, again, because, you know, he's an improved player. He's a future draft pick. But the only time we've mentioned him is on a BSPI call for the most part. That's a good sign for a corner. Those two guys, you could you could argue, have been the best corners on the team at this point. I mean, I'm just going to – I know people love Ryan Watts, and he's made a couple of big plays. Uh, but those two guys could be the best corners on the team right now. Malik Muhammad is coming, or Manny Muhammad is coming, but um, Terrence Brooks uh, is probably the best in bump and run. Gavin Holmes is probably the best in man coverage, in my opinion. All right. We have a question here from Helio Castillo, and he says, with the majority of Big 12 teams using the 3-3-5 defense against Texas, do you think Texas will use more of the 3-3-5 in Big 12 play? No. No, I, I think Texas will do what they do well. Yeah, I, 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 Texas, I like how they've deployed Jet Bush at this point, Jerry. That may be one of the surprises of the, the, of, uh, the season for me. They've actually used Jet Bush as an overhang player. Um, I, I, I think that, and that's a little bit of that 3-3-5 look, to be fair. Um, I think it's just another arrow in the quiver uh, for uh, Pete Kwiatkowski. I don't think it's going to be more necessarily five to 10 plays a game, not 25. Hey, I, guys, I need to say thanks and want to say thanks to our sponsor, Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, Adam and his group over at the Lowy Law Firm uh, can help you if you've been an, injured in a car wreck or on the job. Uh, give Adam and those guys a chance to earn your business. Uh, they're available for a free consultation today. Visit them at LowyLawFirm.com. That's LoweyLawFirm.com. Uh, if you visit them, you'll get a free consultation. They've been doing this for decades and have been very successful, uh, not only for themselves, but for their clients in particular. Uh, we talked about defense in depth. Let's talk about special teams for a second. David Williams says, after three games at Texas, Ryan Sanborn is not better than Michael Dixon or Cameron Dicker, but he might be all Big 12 first team. Texas might actually have the all Big 12 first team kicker and punter. What do y'all think about that? Uh, definitely punter. I mean, definitely punter. I, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, Ryan Sanborn is on his way to all Big 12 and possibly some All-American honors on some level. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas Tech also in the top 10, by the way, in net punting. So they're, they're doing pretty well. Uh, but other than that, the Longhorns, uh, number two overall in the country. Okay, let's talk about offense now. Rick Serda says, where do you see improvement in Ewers' game? I feel his footwork hasn't improved much. He's still very inconsistent. Leadership, not making big mistakes with the ball um, are the two biggest for me right now. He made no big mistakes with the football in a 100,000-seat stadium at Bryant-Denny. Did he make a bad choice on a football throw in that game? That's That's pretty strong compared to when he went out against Oklahoma State and threw it straight to a safety amid a pass rush that broke free. Um, now, you know, things can change, but that he has been consistent in protecting the ball. Um, and I think he's growing as a team leader. The team is looking to him more. Uh, I also think his footwork has actually improved and his re release is a little bit quicker this year. Um, that doesn't mean... Uh, that he's a finished product, though. Far from it. 
You're right, Rick. I mean, he's far from it. And his footwork needs to improve him even more. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think he's very much improved from a year ago. Uh, you, you would have given him a C last year. Now he's in the B range. It's up to him to get go get an A like he did against Alabama uh, the rest of the way. All right, Bobby, you were talking about the Wildcat earlier. And Aaron says, doesn't the Wildcat need to be more varied and diverse and not just running red up the middle? Well, it is, right? I mean, it is actually more diverse. They have, they, they've, they've faked the, the uh, zone read in both of those. And so there's more wrinkles left to that. Um, I, I don't know that they wanted to do anything more than that in, in the, um, at the outset, uh, but we'll see. I mean, they can also fake a jet sweep off of that. They can throw off of that. There's a lot of different things they can do. And um, it, it, it can become more, more diverse. Uh, we'll see where it goes though. I, I, by the way, I think if you see it on short yardage, that's a good sign only. I mean, if you're having to go to the red cat earlier in different situations, that means some things probably aren't going or going off script a little bit. Uh, it, with this Texas offense, it, it's nice to have it when you need it. You don't want it to be anything more than that for me. Uh, because you have too much talent at wide out, at tight end, at running back. Um, if you're having to go to it a lot, that means things are not going well. All right. We have a question here about the wide receivers or why a wide receiver. Angela Dutton says, what happened in Aora? I didn't see him versus Bama or Wyoming, his old team. I thought he was ready to go. Um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I wasn't one saying that he was ready to go. I mean, I, I know a lot of people thought he was, I saw him in camp and he was still while he looked closer to 100% he wasn't uh, he was having some problems cutting um and you know the the game against Wyoming was tight the game against Alabama was tight when did you want to put him in I think the thing in fall camp that I noticed that second day of fall camp was and I think big receivers coming off ACL injuries and we talked talked to Rod about this I think Bobby we all comment on this is when you have to gear down drop your butt, plant off that foot and cut and create separation. I think that's for a big receiver or a receiver coming off an ACL. That's kind of the biggest hurdle you have to get over mentally running down the field on a go route for him. He's fine. When you're in a contested coverage situation and you're and somebody's attached to you and you have to drop your butt and you have to get in and out of that cut, that's still where you're not a hundred percent physically and mentally that stuff takes time to trust that again and really push off that leg uh because especially knowing how those injuries happen and have happened to guys in the past it's normally non-contact pushing through the ground bodies going one direction when you're pushing through the ground uh jerry we're going to take a couple of recruiting questions uh real quick daniel kenneman says what areas in state look strong and weak in 2025 Great question. Better D-line, interior D-line class in 2025. Alex January is a quality prospect in 24. I think there's more depth at that position in 2025. Zion Williams at Lufkin, I think, may be a monster. Uh, he may end up being a war daddy. Dylan Battle at Mansfield Timberview is very good uh, as well. But there's going to be more depth pop up there. Um, I think wide receivers tremendous in the state. I think it is every year, but I think it's a really good class in 2025. Uh, so far, uh, I think it's more of an out-of-state running back class um, early on. I think now 2026 at running back in Texas looks very good. Um, but I think I think your 
D line is an area I look at, which is 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 has more depth. Or then this twenty four class outside Alex January to fill a need. Texas really had to go outside and go get into those SEC area battles, right? And you have to recruit a lot of kids to win a couple of those battles. You have to recruit five, six times, seven times. Uh, you've got to recruit 12, 14 kids to win two. That's just re- realistic how it is, or three. Um, but I think there's more depth at D-line in-state next year. I think there's good – I think there's some good hybrid linebacker edge prospects. But I'm really interested to see where what colleges see from some of these guys after junior year when they kind of go out and make those spring evals where those kids' bodies go. There's a couple of those 6'4", 185, 190 kids – that are really athletic, that they're going to have to grow into that edge position that more or more tall stand-up backers right now. I'm very interested to see how those positions are going to be evaluated. I think there's some good corners in the class as well. Kobe Sellers is pretty talented. Kid. And then we'll do one more recruiting question. Uh, David Williams says, can you speak to the fluctuation in Jared Gibson's recruiting rankings? I'm not the only one that's noticed his ranking going down. Eight months, 18 months ago, Gibson was on the verge of being a five-star. I think that's natural for some guys. I mean, look, I think Jarrett Gibson's a really talented prospect. I don't think he's got that uh, maybe that upside of a guy like a Cedric Baxter did in the class before. Um, I, I think he's a solid in-between-the-tackles runner. Um, I, I think he's uh, he's got that really good second-level quickness. I think long speed, you know, where's he at there? I also think the other thing with some of these kids is they're really known at young age. The guys who are really, really good at a young age, when these initial rankings come out, they're going to be the highest, right? But then so many football players come behind them, the rankings are going to adjust. I think Cedric Bax, I'm mean, sorry, Jarrett Gibson is probably anywhere from a top six to eight running nine type of running back prospect in the country. Okay, guys, we got time for just a few more questions here. We got a super chat from Ismail Trujillo. They want to thank him. And he says, would Lincoln Riley have issues with three high? He absolutely did. I mean, Iowa State hung in there against them back in the day. I mean, uh, they beat uh, Oklahoma, I think, a couple times, right? Yes, uh, and they, sure. they finally solved it uh, with uh, some power run uh, against them, in my opinion. Uh, they never, though... Uh, necessarily lit up Iowa State uh, like uh, some teams or like they would other teams. Um, but Lincoln Riley also had better personnel. I mean, he had Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield at quarterback yeah. doing it, yeah. right? Jalen Hurts. Um, Texas hasn't had that kind of caliber of players and neither have other Big 12 teams uh, whenever you're going to get that three high look. So um, I think that the teams that run it the best uh, historically has been Iowa state. They were kind of the, uh, the, the people behind it. Aranda runs it at Baylor and now TCU runs it quite a bit as well. Uh, and I think other teams like K state, um, have, have done it. Well, other teams are going to start tinkering with it. You see it, a rice kind of deployed out of nowhere against Texas, Wyoming using it. Uh, it's going to be, it's one of those things that, uh, defenses come and go and that's the next big thing. Uh, and so we'll see if uh, Sark in this offseason has started to address what he thinks he needs to do to, to, to beat that. All right, guys. Like I said, time for a couple more. This first one from Burt Reynolds. He says, now that we're a quarter of the way through the season, how would y'all grade the offensive line from the pass protection and run perspectives? Uh, we did that Sunday, Bobby. I, I think we gave it solid B, right? I mean, 
Look, and, and I, I may have undershot it a little bit in the run game thinking about it because, I mean, the reality is Texas went to Bama and rushed for more yards than they did last year at home with Bijan and Roshan. By I, th- well, think about think about Wyoming. It was the run game that got them back in it. And then the yeah. big play from Xavier Worthy that kind of yeah. came out of nowhere. Running the ball late, they'll run out of clock against Alabama on the road. Running the ball with Jonathan Brooks late to win a game against Wyoming and take control of a game. I, they're showing some really good signs. I think run blocking's ahead of pass pro. Well, pass pro would have gotten an F against Rice. So let, let's be clear. I mean, now biggest biggest jump was from game one to game two. Uh, Wyoming tried to do some different things in in the passing game two, and they only got one sack. Right. Um, and so there's a level there, uh, is what I would say. All right, next question from Drew Elm. Do you think Sark is about to open up the playbook now that conference play is in full effect? Um, depends if, it depends if he has to. <laughs> depends if he has to. Look, look, I think we know right now what this is. If, if he gets the looks he wants, it's going to be a downfield passing game. That's That's who he is. If he gets the looks he wants, He'll open that thing up, and it's going to be a downfield passing attack. At his best, at his most comfortable, when he's the most energized, that's what he's doing in the passing game. Um, I, I think the main thing is going to be with Texas moving forward is after you beat Alabama, go win the game. Go win the game. Win what's in front of you. I, I, I know I've noticed Texas using – uh, stay where our feet are, kind of what Rodney Terry said last year. And I know RT and Sark have had some conversations. Stay where our feet are. Uh, go win the game. Go do what you have to do to win a game. Then when you get the looks you want, have fun with it, what you love doing. All right, guys. Final question for the day. Joseph Diaz says, I hate looking ahead, but this Oklahoma team is not the team we beat 49 <laughs> nothing last year. Correct. Is anyone else worried? Um, I think they're improved defensively. I, I'll say this. Uh, a former Texas defensive analyst uh, ran into a friend of Bobby and I's a couple on Monday and said, Oklahoma is definitely better defensively than they were last year. A year two under Brent Venables, we talked about. They are definitely a better defensive unit than they were a year ago. Where does that put them? They're going to go. Let's see where they go to Cincinnati this week, right? If they go out there and crush them, then you got to start thinking about Oklahoma a little differently. Right now, you could say they haven't played anybody. Now, they smoked Tulsa worse than Washington did. But Oklahoma had 590 yards, the same Washington did against Tulsa. And I know uh, common opponents doesn't mean everything or it doesn't mean a lot, but it does mean they moved the ball as well as Washington did against Tulsa. And Washington's lethal on offense. Well, I'm, it's not fair to ask me if I'm worried because I'm always worried. But um, the the thing that I would say here is that Oklahoma, you're right about the defense. It has more cohesiveness. I've watched two full games now. There's, um, they have more cohesiveness on defense. They may have another playmaker or two. Uh, Danny Stutzman is growing into being a, a good linebacker for them, even a playmaker for them. I really like what they've done with uh, the uh, guy named Canoe. I think it's Jared Canoe or something like that. Um, they bring him off the edge quite a, quite a little bit. Um, 
the 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 issue that I feel is going to end up deciding that game is one is how Quinn Ewers plays, and two whether or not Texas can stifle the OU run game. You almost know what Dylan Gabriel can and can't do. He, he's been there, and so you can you can plan for that and prepare for that. Um, the, I think that will be this. I think that game will largely be decided by whether or not Oklahoma can manufacture a run game against Texas. That's that's the the, the big piece for me. And look, I I think Oklahoma up front defensively is not where they need to be at in the SEC. Um, said that uh, before. Um, they're, they're, they have to get bigger. Um, Texas ahead of them there. Texas, look, Texas is, I think, the better team, but then you have to go play the game. All right, y'all. Well, before we leave, uh, Bobby, are you going to let everybody know what's coming on later today? Yeah, absolutely. State of the program with Eric Nolene should be published around uh, noon today. I'm going to get with Eric uh, here in a couple hours. Uh, and talk a little Longhorn football, and try to do a review of where we think Texas is after three games, quarter of the way through the regular season. Uh, also do a little freshman check-in there. Uh, and then also, guys, uh, going to talk uh, later tonight, Jerry, Rod Babers, and Ray Peters will be hosting a live stream around 7 for uh, more recruiting talk and team news. Uh, Jerry's going to be out and about in Orlando today uh, as well. So uh, should be an interesting day. Uh, we've got uh, – a little bit, it's got some more uh, guests coming up later this week on coffee and football as well. So hope everybody enjoys it. Uh, guys, also make sure you check out uh, Inside Texas right now. We have a special going on Inside Texas, uh, $1 for two months. Uh, you have to use the code, promo code OTFIT23 and you must select the monthly offer. Uh, if you do that, you get a special deal, introductory offer to InsideTexas.com, the best in uh, Longhorn sports and recruiting coverage. All right, y'all. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Coffee and Football. We appreciate all of you for tuning in. Appreciate the super chats. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate that. And then ring the bell so you're notified anytime we post a video right here on On Texas Football. And for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Hook them.